Hello, everybody. Welcome or welcome back to The Crow. We are your hosts, Anna Barrett and Justin Travis. Thank you for joining us. I am a senior at Jacksonville State and the sports editor for The Shannon Clear. And I am a junior and the news editor. We wanted to start a podcast to have more of a conversation with our audience. Jumping right into the stories from the last week, there have been eight stories published since the last episode of The Crow. At number one, we have the Lady Texters sweep season series over the Gamecocks by Katie Sue Doyle, correspondent. Inconsistencies on the offensive end for Jack State's women's basketball team led to a 61-51 loss to Louisiana Tech in a home conference matchup against the Bulldogs last Thursday, February 15th. The loss marked the Gamecocks' second loss of the season to their conference foe, Louisiana Tech, after a 14-point defeat at the hands of the Lady Texters on January 20th. Director of Women's Basketball Operations Harley Cook said after the game, It is never easy to swallow when a team beats you by double digits twice, especially with one being on your home floor. We would like another shot at revenge on these guys whenever the conference tournament begins next month. You can find the full article on our website, jsushannonclear.com, or on our app. At number two, we have Gamecocks outlast Memphis to secure hard-fought season opener by Maddie Reed, features editor. The Jack State baseball team took home the first game of the season against the Memphis Tigers 6-5 after a grueling 13 innings at Rudy Abbott Field culminated in a walk-off home run by junior third baseman Brennan Norton last Friday, February 16th. You can find the full article on our website or on our app. Now into number three, we have Jack State drop second game to Memphis for rubber match on Sunday by Maddie Reed, features editor. The Gamecocks lost to the Memphis Tigers on Saturday, 7-4, in the second game of their season opening home series at Rudy Abbott Field. You can read the full article on our website or on our app. At number four, we have Johnson answers Jack State's prayers with series-clinching walk-off home run by Maddie Reed, features editor. The Jack State Gamecocks took the opening weekend series in their home game Sunday afternoon against the Memphis Tigers 13-9 with an emphatic home run by sophomore shortstop Caleb Johnson. When asked what he felt when he hit the game-winning ball, Johnson said, I just watched it go over the outfielder's head and knew we had won the game. I blacked out. I don't even really know what happened. On a 3-2 count, Johnson launched the ball over the right field fence, similar positioning to Friday's walk-off home run by Norton and won the game for Jacksonville State with a walk-off grand slam. First-year head coach Steve Beezer said after the game, As a coaching staff, when you come into a new team, the first thing you want to do is establish a good culture, and sometimes it's hard. If our guys that have been around reject it, then it's a full-year rebuild. They bought in. And it gives more credibility to me with weekends like these where it plays out. You can read the full article on our website, jshanclair.com, or on our app. At number five, we have public gathers to express thoughts on proposed highway changes. Members of the Jacksonville community, JSU students and faculty, and Jacksonville elected officials gathered Thursday afternoon at the Public Safety Complex in Jacksonville to look at and discuss proposed changes to Alabama Highways 21 and 204. For the most part, reactions from the community about the changes the Alabama Department of Transportation is proposing were good, but the Student Government Association President Tierra Thatch said she wished there were more changes. 
She told the Shannon Claire that she would like to see the addition of a crosswalk in front of the Pete Matthews Coliseum and the addition of a protected left turn where 204 and 21 meet. Student Senator Brendan Lockwood agreed by saying, there's a handful that we think could be changed. You can see the proposed changes and give feedback through the link in the article associated with this episode. And you can read what other community members thought about the proposed changes in the full article on our website or on our app. At number six, we have students present record number of presentations at annual student symposium. The 29th annual student symposium had a record number of participants, according to the director of the symposium, David Thornton. The awards given out to the participants are as follows. In the category of awards for best discipline group, best of arts and humanities went to undergraduate Daniel Rich, best of business and industry went to graduate student Madison McCoy, Best of Health Professions and Wellness went to undergraduate student Caroline Lively. Best of Health Professions and Wellness for the graduate students went to Cody Hopkins. Best of Science and Mathematics went to undergraduate Evie Vaughn. And graduate student Tehujin Mwijij. Best of Social and Behavioral Sciences went to undergraduate Juliana Mustillo. In the awards for Best in Category, the Best Paper went to undergraduate Hayden Richardson. Best poster went to undergraduate Caroline Ducato. Best paper went to graduate student Shelby Wolfram. Best poster for graduate students went to Bethany Christie. Best cover design went to Madison Spencer. Houston Cole Library Award for Research Excellence went to Victoria Tillman. And the award for best of showcase went to Olivia Harp. The winner for best poster, Caroline Ducato, said that she had been working on her presentation since the beginning of fall 2023. Her work is entitled, An Examination of Implementing a Hard Salary Cap for NILs in Collegiate Sports. She said, I originally made the poster for a class project, but my professors encouraged me to do this. I continued to work on it when I entered the symposium. You can read more about some of the presentations from the article we talked about on the last episode of The Crow on our website or on our app. At number seven, there was a job fair on Tuesday. Employers from Jacksonville State University's campus and the Calhoun County community set up tables in the Theron Montgomery building Tuesday afternoon to tell students about their employment opportunities. One of our correspondents, Austin Tackett, went around to every table, just approaching it as a student wanting to get a job to take in everything, and then went around and asked a select few questions in order to provide a good perspective on both angles. The fair really provided students with an opportunity to grow their resumes while also looking for employment or finding volunteer work for companies that align in their respective major. The tourism director for Calhoun County, Audrey Maxwell, said that her job would be good for anybody, but especially if the student is in the geology field, so there's something for everybody there. As for the employers, it gave them the opportunity to meet new faces while also giving them the chance to grow the company they're representing. You can read the full article on our website or on our app. At number eight, there was a Jack's Mix kickoff event in the TMB Wednesday afternoon. Jack's Mix is a general education program that the university will be starting in the fall that aims to embed badged micro-credentials and increase the number and quality of high-impact practices for undergraduate students. Jack's Mix falls under the Quality Enhancement Plan, which is needed for SACCOC accreditation. The Quality Enhancement Plan has three goals. One, to launch a new general education, oh my God. 
One, launch a new general education model. Two, embed badged micro-credentials within general education. And three, increase the number and quality of high-impact practices students encounter in a general education. According to a brochure handed out at the event, JaxMix requires 12 hours of experience courses, such as social and behavioral sciences, 12 hours of communication courses, such as English composition, speech, and math, 9 hours of expression courses, such as fine arts and humanities, and 8 hours of inquiry courses like physical, earth, and life sciences. Finding a focus will help students narrow down their options on what classes to take. The current focus options are community engagement, environmental stewardship, ethical leadership, global connections, and media literacy. Jack's Mix was approved by the Board of Trustees in January, and there was a story published about that shortly after that meeting for more information. You can read this new article on our website or on our app. Moving right along to our sports update for the week, Justin, take it away. As previously mentioned, last Thursday, the women's basketball team lost to Louisiana Tech 61-51 at Pete Matthews Coliseum. Senior forward Madison McCoy scored a team-high 10 points and collected five rebounds in the game. Unfortunately, the loss dropped them to 9-14 on the season and 4-7 in Conference USA games. The men's basketball team also lost to the Bulldogs of Louisiana Tech on Thursday, 63-58 in Ruston, Louisiana. Senior forward Jawan Perdue led the Gamecocks in scoring with 11 points and hauled in six rebounds in the game. The five-point loss dropped the men's basketball team to 12-14 on the year and 4-7 in Conference USA play. The Jack State softball team went 1-4 over the weekend in the Chattanooga Tournament with their sole win coming in a 3-0 victory over Murray State last Friday, February 16th. As previously mentioned, the Jack State baseball team won their weekend series over the Memphis Tigers two games to one on Sunday. But the team lost at Sanford 3-7 on Tuesday in Birmingham to bring them to 2-2 in the young season. The Jack State bowling team placed fourth in the midwinter NCAA Invitational on Sunday in Jonesboro, Arkansas. The men's tennis team picked up two 6-1 wins over Lipscomb and Mississippi Gulf Coast on Sunday as well. The men's golf team placed second out of 18 teams at the World Golf Village Collegiate in St. Augustine, Florida on Tuesday. Senior Eric Jansen won the entire tournament outright with a minus 16. Now it's time for the deep dive section. Although the author, Madeline Reichard, isn't here to discuss her story, public gathers to express thoughts on proposed highway changes, which you can read on the Chanticleer website and app, we would still like to discuss Al Dot's proposed changes to highways 21 and 204. Anna, you went to the meeting with Madeline. What were some of the proposed changes? So this meeting was more so to hear concerns, comments, what have you from the public um, so that ALDOT can make adjustments if needed. So they had their proposals out on poster boards spread out in this big room, and it just had them all laid out separated by Highway 21 and Highway 204. So I'll just start and just kind of go through each of the changes. Starting on the Jacksonville Square, ALDOT wants to change the flow of traffic a little bit to help with people who may be driving and pulling out of a parking spot on the square. If you've ever driven on the square, you know it can be really hard, especially when there's a lot of traffic, to actually get back out on the road. So instead, there will be a concrete median 
in between the parking spaces and where the flow of traffic is. So there will be basically a service road type in between the actual flow of traffic and where parking is. And there'll also be some crosswalk changes to make it a little safer to walk around the square. Moving further north on Highway 21, ALDOT is proposing the closure of the entrance into the faculty parking lot in front of the TMB in order to help with traffic there. I think that they noticed that not a lot of people use it so that there wouldn't be as big of an impact closing that entrance. Also adding a crosswalk where the entrance to the UREC is on Highway 21. And then at the exit of University Circle, they're discussing adding in a crosswalk and lights and a timer on the 21 side, not necessarily crossing 21, but walking along it. There's a crosswalk on the east side of 21 there in front of the library walking down, but not on the west side in front of University Circle. And also doing the same for the entrance to University Circle near the president's house. And as we move closer to the International House and the intersection between Highway 21 and 204, there are more changes. So at the light where Nisbet Street, Highway 204, and 21 meet, ALDOT is proposing changing the crosswalks there to make them a little more safe and closing the entrance into the International House to help with traffic there because a lot of drivers won't be able to see there and sometimes people come around the corner a little too fast. And ALDOT's really just trying to make that area safer because it's a high foot traffic area, as well as high vehicle traffic. And further north, in front of Brewer Hall and the new traffic light, ALDOT wants to add a small grass median in front of Brewer Hall. For context, Brewer Hall's old crosswalk was where a student was unfortunately hit and killed by a car in a crosswalk. So that's really what has sparked all of this change for ALDOT and gotten them to look further into and actually act on their proposals. That grass median will continue after the new traffic light all the way up until the intersection of Highway 21 and 11th Street. There will also be an addition of a crosswalk walking along Highway 21 on the west side across the street from Merrill Hall. And ALDOT is also proposing the closure of Reynolds Street, which is where a new Jacksonville City Fire Department will be built. So they needed to close that in order for the fire department to function. And we've written about that as well. Shifting gears to Highway 204, ALDOT is also suggesting adding a sidewalk all the way from the intersection of 21 and 204 down to Nisbet Lake Road. This will allow students that live at off-campus apartments on that side of the road to walk instead of having to walk either on the road or in the shoulder of the road. There's also a suggestion to add a middle turning lane along that section as well. Moving towards Pete Matthews Coliseum, ALDOT is suggesting closing the middle entrance into the Pete Matthews Coliseum. So there will still be the entrance that is next to Jim Case Stadium, but the one in the middle will be closed because it has a lot of effect on traffic there. They're proposing closing this entrance because they're also planning on adding a traffic light at Park Avenue in Alabama 204. This would help students that live at Gamecock Village Apartments 
and those that live at Park Place that need to get to 204 and anybody driving on Park Avenue. And it would also help with exiting Pete Matthews Coliseum right after a basketball game or even after a baseball game. Aldot is also proposing adding crosswalks across 204 on the on the east side of Park Avenue, but there's not currently one on the west side. As we mentioned in the stories from this week, SGA President Tierra Thatch really would like to see a crosswalk there. And there will also be a crosswalk alongside 204 on the Gamecock Village side. There's also a proposal to add a traffic light operated crosswalk, I think is the best way to explain it, where the Chief Ladiga Trail crosses 204. So it wouldn't operate like a traffic light where it's timed and like somebody's trying to cross the street driving. It would be if somebody on the Chief Ladiga Trail pressed a button, it would cause the light to turn red. Alda is also proposing closing one of the entrances into the roost apartments. There's two there now, and with the addition of the traffic light at the Chief Lodiga Trail, it would create unnecessary traffic to have two entrances into the same place. And that also ties into the closure of an entrance into the Patterson Hall parking lot. Students will still be able to access that parking lot by using the next entrance up and turning in. And that is just about all of the changes. You can see these changes by clicking on the link we mentioned earlier. It is a PDF that's available to everybody and there are more details. I'm a visual person, so I know that it can get confusing just hearing it. So take a look at it. If you have any comments or concerns about ALDOT's proposed changes, be sure to submit them via that link before Friday, March 1st. Thank you, Anna, for explaining all that. To our audience, I know this was not like our typical deep dive, but we thought the story deserved added information and a little bit of clarification on the proposed changes from the public involvement meeting last Thursday afternoon for those who couldn't attend. As we wrap up this episode, let's talk about what you can look forward to throughout the week and the next episode. On Thursday, February 22nd, there will be another FAFSA day from 10 to 4 p.m. in Ayers Hall. This will be a great opportunity for students who need help filling out the new FAFSA form. There will also be a country presentation on Italy from 11 a.m. to noon in the International House. On Friday, February 23rd, there will be a showing of Holiday Inn at 7 p.m. in Mason Hall. This is a play that the music department is putting on. Also on Friday, the softball team plays Southern Mississippi here at Jenna McGinnis Field at 3 p.m., Then at 5.30 p.m., they also play Samford. On Saturday, February 24th, there will be another showing of Holiday Inn in Mason Hall at 7 p.m. The softball team continues their action on Saturday as they play Southern Indiana at 10 a.m. The men's tennis team also plays on Saturday at 1 p.m. against Furman. And finally, the women's basketball team plays Florida International University here at Jacksonville at 2.30 p.m. inside Pete Matthews Coliseum. On Sunday, February 25th, there will be the final showing of Holiday Inn at 2 p.m. in Mason Hall. Also on Sunday, the softball team wraps up their play here at Jacksonville as they play Southern Indiana at 12.30 p.m. and Belmont at 3 p.m. The men's tennis team also plays on Sunday at 2 p.m. against Chattanooga. On Monday, February 26th, JSU's acapella choir will have a preview concert from 3 to 4 p.m. at Jacksonville First United Methodist Church. On Tuesday, February 27th, there will be another FAFSA day from 10 to 4 p.m. in Ayers Hall. There will also be a graduate school programs fair from 11 to 1 in the TMB. There will also be a Nepalese night 
from 6 to 9 p.m. in the Leon Cole Auditorium. According to the JSU event calendar, the Nepalese night will be filled with a Nepalese cultural show, music, dance, and authentic Nepalese foods. The event is open to everybody, but if you are not a member of the Nepalese student organization, there will be a $10 fee for food. Also on Tuesday, the acapella choir will start their tour. They're going to different venues in Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama. The baseball team returns to action on Tuesday as well, as they play Kennesaw State at 6 p.m. On Wednesday, February 28th, Acapella Choir continues their tour, and it will last until Thursday, February 29th. Softball team also plays on Wednesday as they play the University of Alabama at 5 p.m. at Jenna McGinnis Field. Thank you all for listening. Just as a reminder, on top of being able to listen to The Crow on our website, you can also listen wherever you get your podcasts. The Crow will also be aired on WLJS 91.9 on Thursday morning at 9 and Friday evening at 6. We are your hosts, Anna Barrett and Justin Travis. We will meet you back here next week.